0: Hello, hello, hello everyone. <clears throat> Welcome back to Money Awakenings. My name is Larry Morrison. I am the financial shaman. I am the alchemist and a master of abundance frequency. And there is zero doubt as I say that. Uh <laughs> oh. Oh, the Path of Mastery. Anyway, how are you? (laughs) I'm out for a walk this morning. And this interesting thought came to me and I was like, that should be a podcast. And my heart was like, yep, let's do it. I was like, oh, okay. Right now? Right now? Let's do it then. Uh, So on this show we discuss... We break down all the limiting money beliefs and, and perceptions around money that help, us guide, help guide us back to ourselves, back to the truth, back to clarity. Um, the one I use a lot as an example is money is the root of all evil. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you will subconsciously push away money and opportunity because you don't want to be evil. No one does. Not not really. Now if you've slipped into sociopathy or, or narcissism, you know narcissists and sociopaths never see themselves as evil. They just see themselves as self-serving. Um that no one's gonna give them what they want if they don't go after it themselves. So um in that regard, even even they don't wanna be evil. They don't just they just don't think they are. They just write their own story, right? So the point is, when you label anything as bad or evil, you're going to push it away. But if you have only ever been taught that money is the root of all evil, or when you were taught it as a kid, you know, I was using this story in my writing the other day. We have a great example of how belief systems corrupt perception in the story of the ugly duckling. Ugly duckling, as you know, uh, if you don't know, I'm do a real <laughs> brief recap. Right... Um, There was an ugly duckling, and all the other ducks, and you know its peers, told it was ugly, and so of course it believed it, and then it grew into a beautiful swan, Uh, one of the most beautiful swans there was, but it uh, still believed itself to be ugly, right? So that if you don't remove that perception, even though the outer world might change, and this, no joke, I use that analogy because I'm literally watching it in in my sweetheart she uh she is a 10 she is gorgeous but because she was you know a little awkward growing up or whatever um and of course from her abuse she was told by her own mother that she was extremely ugly growing up which is a whole other subject I want to get into but Bottom line is, even though she's gorgeous today and literally has men fawn all over her, and I I don't ever get jealous. I think it's sexy, actually. I agree that she's amazing. And uh, it just makes me feel lucky. But even though she can have all of this evidence supporting the fact that she's beautiful, she literally cannot see it in the mirror. She literally can't see it. Because the belief has corrupted her perception. Okay? This is what limiting beliefs do. They corrupt our perception. And when information comes in, like when I tell her she's beautiful, it goes through the filter of no... It goes through the filter of her perception that, no, she's got she's to be right that she's ugly because that's the belief system. Or at least not a 10, if, if not ugly. But... In her imagination, the way to, to have the belief be right means she invalidates what I say, which is fine. I mean, my perception of her wall isn't somewhat important. I mean, it's her self-esteem, right? But my point is, like, in her imagination, the ego says, oh, he's just saying that, or whatever. So the belief system can stay intact, Right? And this is what limiting beliefs do they do all kinds of things to stay alive because they are in essence part of nature and everything in nature fights for its own survival in some way when threatened i should say um, not on a day-to-day basis you don't see an insect fighting for its survival but when it's threatened every living thing on this planet will fight for its own survival and limiting beliefs are no different of course the ego is no different either but um What's fascinating more than anything is how the belief corrupts perception because if you don't remove this just like the ugly duckling you're going to think speak and act and move and and go with people who treat you as as ugly right let's just say I use that same thing if you believe you're stupid, you're told you're stupid when you're growing up and you believe it, even if you got an advanced degree or several and I have seen this happen (sighs) There is a guy I know who has three advanced degrees. Oh, there's, that reminds me. There's another one I know. <laughs> That's two of them. She has three advanced degrees as well and believes she's stupid. They both do. Not that they believe that they're stupid. That's not it. They attract people who treat them as stupid and can't figure out why even though they have all this evidence because they're like trying to prove that they're not stupid. But really, all they have to do is go inside, remove the subconscious belief that came and the traumas that came from their childhood to rewrite that story. And then they would see that their perception is they don't need to prove anything, right? Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. When you get to a certain level of consciousness, these things reveal themselves to you. And the point is... Things become clearer when you clean your lens of perception. That's all. That's all we do here on this podcast. That's all I do in any of my writing or podcasting or video or courses. We're just cleaning the lens of perception. That's all. The perception has been tainted just like the ugly duckling. And you will literally walk around thinking you're stupid or ugly or that you can't make money because that's what you were gifted when you were a child. That's what's there for you to overcome. This stuff must be removed and updated to the truth. Which is, God never makes mistakes, ever. Didn't make one with you. Everything you now possess, including your looks, are there to get you where you need to go. You have been gifted everything you need to go toward the journey of your heart's calling. Whatever that may be. How could it be any other way? What kind of a hell would this be? If. Um, sorry. Thought popped in. What kind of a hell would this be? If you were gifted an inspiration toward a heart's calling. And then told that you could never get there because you were too stupid. That would be Torture. No, if, you've give, if you were gifted the inspiration to do something, it means you now possess everything you need, or that the universe will line it up in order to teach you what you need. For instance, if you say, I want to be um, the number one performing artist, you know, singer and dancer or whatever, in America. Today, like, you say that, I'm like, this is what I want, this is my dream, this is my goal, this is what my heart is telling me to do, and I can envision it, yada, 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 the universe is going to be like, okay, if that is your heart's calling, it's going to be like, okay, I need to teach you a lot of shit. Right? I, I need to evolve you to be able to match that. Right? Here's a great example. For me, for my life, When I, back in the day, I was thinking about this the other day, I was like, wow, it's been eight years. Um, I first started in the student loan business eight years ago. Started my own business seven years ago. And when I started my own business, um, I used to tell myself, I used to envision I'm the student loan expert. I'm one of the top, if not the leading expert in the country. I used to say that to myself over and over and over again. But even I realized that I would need to learn a lot more even though I had a great amount of knowledge already, more than the average person to become the expert I would have to put in the 10,000 hours right Malcolm Gladwell in Outliers is where that comes from, you could 10,000 hours to master anything um, no matter your abilities your, your natural abilities will enhance through the 10,000 hours of practice uh, excuse me and so I would say it, but in the back of my mind, I was like, no, you're not, right? The subconscious was there. But to match me to that frequency to where I could talk about this and have to some of the smartest people on the planet in the, or in the country, rather, because it's only our problem, the smartest people in the country in the education department and in the government and teach them things, it took years. To be able to match that frequency through my own evolution, through constantly helping client after client after client after client, writing my book, doing research, studying, right? It took the 10,000 hours to get me there. So the point being is everything you have to start or go toward that thing you have now. You have everything you need now to go toward that thing. You might not be a vibrational match yet, which is why it hasn't manifested. But everything you now possess is exactly what you need to keep going. And tomorrow you'll learn another lesson and another lesson and another lesson until you look back and you're like, holy shit, I am the expert. That's what happened to me. Funny enough, as soon as I realized I was the expert, it was time to leave. <laughs> because that's not really what my heart wanted to do, or at least not anymore. And now you see what I, my heart is telling me to do right now to be the financial shaman, to be the alchemist, to help people understand how to remove limiting beliefs, how to heal trauma, how to clean the lens of perception, so that they can become whatever it is their heart is telling them to do. Um, And boy, do I have a ton of ideas that I'm going to roll out over the next six months to a year. You'll see. Uh, Okay, so what I wanted to talk about today, where I was on this walk, and I was like, that should be a podcast. So, the old, old adage from the Bible. And I almost wrote about this in my book, but thought better of it at the time. I was like, uh, I can use other examples of limiting beliefs and stuff like that. I don't need to deal with this one. So you get the treat of this amazing lesson. There's this old, old adage from the Bible. It always bugged the shit out of me, too. It's, uh... It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. Okay. Immediately what that says is what or on on the surface rather on the surface Most people interpret because it's a it's a saying, it's a parable, it's not step-by-step instructions, right? And that inherent vagueness is a problem because it's open to interpretation. But most people interpret that and say, well, rich people can't get into heaven. Right? Because if you look at it, it's easier for, okay, so then rich people can't get into heaven. So then we don't want to become rich. So then it's better to be poor and serve humanity so that I can get into heaven one day. Now, the problem, there's several, well, let's break them all down. First of all, heaven is not a place you go when you die. That's the problem with our current religious understandings. Heaven is not a place you go when you die. Yes, when you die, this game is over. You wake up from the dream, you take off the VR headset, and you're back in the unconditionally loving arms of Source, but you've actually never left there, it's just a trick of perception. But, yes, you do wake up from the dream and you go back home, and home is the frequency of unconditional love, joy, bliss, happiness, right, all of this, like, just just amazing Amazing peace right and happiness and It's the 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 highest feelings Highest frequency the highest vibrations Um, Infinite power infinite love infinite acceptance infinite wisdom Um, And so yes when you're here you're localized to a body wiped your memory don't fully remember who you are But anyway so in that regard, yes, that does happen. But heaven, in this sentence, and, in, and from now on, what I want you to think about, if, you, if you'd like to, is that heaven is not a place where you go. Home, you will, you've never actually left home, and you will go back home eventually. But heaven is a state of consciousness. Heaven is a state of consciousness, also known as Satori or Nirvana, Right? Christ consciousness, the unconditional happiness, this just, um, just amazing explosion of love coming out of your chest. That's heaven. The highest consciousness, the highest vibration, unconditional love. That's heaven. To know you're accepted 100% and loved by your creator at all times. That's heaven. It's not a place where you go when you die. Or another word for heaven, from, from the rest of this podcast, what I'm going to say, another word for heaven is enlightenment. Enlightenment simply means <clears throat> the knowing of who you fully are. 100% with zero doubt. You know exactly who you are on the other side of this illusion, and the, the spiritual side. You know who you really are in the spiritual world, which is our world, which is where we come from. So, it's knowing who you fully are in the game. That's enlightenment. While in physical reality, you know who you are in the spirit world. And ideally, you get some of your memories back, or at least access to them if you need them. So, knowing that heaven's not a place where you go when you die, then it's, let's just say... Let's break it down. It's easier for a camel to pass to the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into to rich man to become enlightened. When you look at it that way, you say, "Okay, why is it hard for rich people to become enlightened? Why is it so difficult for rich people to become enlightened?" Well, first of all, Let's just start with the fact that it's fucking difficult for anyone to become enlightened. This is the hardest game in all of existence. In all of existence. The, the infiniteness of all of existence. This is the hardest game we've ever conceived of and made. What we call contrast or physical reality or earth or human life. The hardest, by far, in existence. For a a handful of reasons. The The most obvious one being that you wipe your memory of who you really are. Which means you think you are human. And so even though it doesn't feel right... And something feels off about being stuck to the ground and not being able to manifest... And having people treat you terribly, you you still are like, what is going on? I was born here, so this is what I am, right? It's the hardest thing there is. Is a trick of perception, right? When you when you watch, if you if you're like me and you watch a lot of, uh, or you know, read comics or watch a lot of. Marvel or DC or like heroes and villains type stories or even just going back through uh, the etymology of how to tell a story in and of itself. Um, You know, the hero's journey as it were. Uh, One of the most fascinating villains for me is a villain who can use mind control. And it's hard to get a good example of this Um, but you've seen it in, like, uh, the Avengers, actually the first two Avenger movies, uh, and other things like that, where they corrupt, the the bad guy, like, does a spell or whatever, corrupts the thinking of the individual, and now the individual turns evil, right? So mind control is a fascinating one, because... You feel crazy. Like, if you are... If, if, if you don't know... What's up and what's down... You're just completely lost. You're just falling in an abyss. right? You have nothing to grab onto. And so this is why it's so fascinating... That we chose the ego... <laughs> As the opponent in the game, because it is a mind control game. Or a perception control game would probably be the the best way to talk about it. It's a perception control game. And so, with that in mind, you're like, wait a minute, who's the one in control of my perception? Who's the one in control of my imagination? Who's the one talking in my head right now? And when you don't know, you think it's you. You think you are your ego. You think you are the one who's telling yourself constantly how much of a piece of shit you are. You think that's you that's looking in the mirror and saying how disgusting you are. It's not you. It's in your head, in your voice, which is why it's so fucking difficult. You have to discern inside of you, what's you, what's the ego, what's the heart. Of course, you are the ego and the heart, I mean, the ego is a part of you and you are the heart and it is you as well, but that's, see, that's already kind of confusing. So, bottom line is, mind control is the toughest villain to beat that I've ever seen. Because everything else outside of you it's just about brawn or power or strength or strategy, right? But mind control. Wow. Altering your perception. There was this uh for my nerds out there. And if you don't get this reference just, just it's okay. Uh I grew up watching Batman the animated series when I was a kid and I uh, loved that show. Still do. I haven't like watched it in a long time but but um the Batman had this villain he has besides Spider-Man, Batman has the best villains. And uh the, he had this one called the uh, he had a villain in, in the animated series called the Mad Hatter. And the Mad Hatter this it was it was so fascinating because batman found himself in a paradise he you know was head over heels in love and he had a family and uh you know it was like his best life and he was enjoying it but something was nagging at him that it wasn't real yeah you know, the matrix is good at this too but something was nagging at him that wasn't real because he didn't feel the pain that he knew was a part of him. Like his grief for his parents dying in a horrible way. Like That was a part of who he was. And he's like, where is that grief? And that's what drove him to seek out if it was real or not. And he started to see, like, wait a minute. This isn't real because there's no pain. Because he was so accustomed to pain. So familiar with it, right? It, it just was always there, and so, far, you know. Long story short, he broke out of the illusion and figured out that the Mad Hatter had trapped him in a virtual reality to pr- imprison him, so that he could basically, you know, a villain could do whatever he wanted. It's so funny, like <laughs> in all, in all of uh, superhero genre movies or comics or cartoons or anything. Police are useless. And the only thing standing between world domination of a villain is, is the superheroes. But anyway, the point is even as the watcher of the show, you're like, what the hell's going on? Mind control is such a fascinating thing because you can't, if you can't tell what's real, If you can't tell what's real, which is why The Matrix is such a good movie. Uh, not not two and three. One and four, great. Uh, if you can't tell what's real. You feel lost. And you don't have a stable foundation under you. Right? So... It's just the hardest game in all of existence, which is why I consistently say to myself and to people like you, the listener, and my clients and everybody be gentle with yourselves if it takes time to figure this shit out. Be gentle with yourself. It is fucking hard. It is fucking hard. It is a hard game, as evidenced by how many people are suffering right now. How much pain and anguish and torment and abuse and violence in this world. My God, it is so hard. So be gentle with yourself. Love yourself. That is actually the way out of it. One of the ways, there are multiple doorways out of the the maze. The one I've been talking that helped me get out of the maze and see the truth behind the illusion is through the abundance frequency. But you can also go through self-love. Or uh, excuse me a love relationship, which is self-love. You can go that way too. So the more you incorporate loving yourself the more you incorporate loving yourself. Connect, it connects you back to your heart, which helps you out of the maze. So very, it's very important to be gentle with yourself. Very important to be gentle with yourself. Now, even if you have someone like me who's left a trail of breadcrumble on how to get out of this fucking maze and beat this game, which, how do you win the game of life? It, first of all, let's take a step back. Is life a winnable game? Is life a winnable game? What we call human life, right? Physical reality or life on Earth or contrast. Is it a winnable game? If a game isn't winnable, for, if a game isn't winnable, stop playing. This, of course, is a winnable game. But if you ever find a game that's not winnable, stop playing. So... Of course this is a winnable game. If it's not a winnable game, and it's not some kind of double-bind bullshit that you find, um, like the never good enough from a narcissist or something, then it's just an activity, right? Like gardening isn't a winnable game. It's just an activity, right? So this is not an activity. This is a game we came to play for a purpose. To win this game of life, You have to do two things. One, as I've already said, is to know who you are. First and foremost, this game is about self-discovery. And you can... You don't believe me. I don't care. But you don't have to. But look back through every single wise person that was enlightened. Or, you know, going back to Christ and Lao Tzu and Buddha. All the way through to... Even philosophy, all the philosophers. To know who you are, to know thyself, is all there is to do in this life. This is a journey of self-discovery. And to know what that means is to know who you are on the other side, the consciousness part of you, the spiritual part of you. You have to know who you really are in the spiritual world. Your place in the pantheon of God's right that's one that's the first one Wait, but there's two that's the first and most importantly to know yourself second to be unconditionally happy unconditional happiness where nothing takes you out of that state i'm not even there yet i know who i am fully 100% with zero doubt but i'm not there to unconditional happiness yet i'm close closer than i've ever been obviously Way happier more of the time than not. But I still get agitated. I still get frustrated. I still get upset here and there. Um, And that's just, you know, what it is. It's going to take time and it'll be fine. Everything is working out for me, right? So, but those are the ways you win this game. So, knowing that's how you win the game... Why is it so hard for rich people to win the game? Or, or said differently, why is it harder for rich people to win the game than the average person? Why do you think that is? Well, you might say because they're so attached to their, their money. That is true. That is a part of it. Yes, I agree. Um, because they um, have everything handed to them, yada yada, that kind of a thing. Uh, Yes and no. Um, Here's the real reason it's so difficult for rich people. And I would include famous people as well. I used to say this, and I learned this uh, about a year ago, because I was working with someone who was quasi-famous and saw how difficult it was for him. To wake up out of the dream. Um, I used to say. It's it's so much harder. If you're famous to become enlightened. You're way better to become enlightened than become famous. Because of it or whatever. Or not. But way, way, way easier to become enlightened first. Which is why I'm grateful I'm not famous. Yet. Um, but. Bottom line is. It's so much harder because you are surrounded with yes-men. If you're famous or rich, or rich and famous, you're surrounded by fucking people who are constantly telling you how amazing you are. That feeds the ego and gives it more strength. Right? The ego hates to be wrong. And so when you tell it that it's amazing, it feeds it. Because then, then it doesn't need to change. Then it can just stay in control and say, oh yeah, I'm amazing. I don't need to do anything different. I don't need to go looking for enlightenment. I don't need to evolve. Even if they're miserable. Like I was just reading about, uh, or someone just told me about, um, I don't read about, very rarely do I read articles about actors or any of that shit but uh someone was just telling me about was it lizzo the singer who i i I love a couple of her songs i love how she embraces her um her thick body as perfect Um, that's really awesome to me and um saying how she deals with suicidal depression even though she has you know money and fame still deals with suicidal depression i've met billionaires who are suicidal and depressed Uh, so, you know, take it for what it is. But even though that can be going on, they still think, oh, I'm just going to do some therapy or whatever. Like, they can still say, well, I have money and success, so why do I need to keep searching for anything else? But what's funny is when you get to the top of the, the mountain and you realize nothing is there, which I have been, not with fame, but with money... When you get to the top of the mountain and realize nothing's there, you're like, you have this super let down feeling, which makes you kind of suicidal. It's like, wait, I had this goal, I made it happen, and now I don't feel any better? What a letdown. I might as well kill myself because I don't understand the game or how to win it. That happened to me, it happens to a lot of rich people. But the point is when you're rich and or famous or both people flock to you because they want something from you. So then they tell you what you think they think you want to hear. How smart you are, amazing you are. When I was working with a billionaire, he had a posse of people who were just sucking up the power teat as it were. Yeah. <laughs> A wife and family, and a mistress, just a, a couple of them. Uh, he had a doctor and a lawyer that traveled with him all the time. Like um, I was just talking to my masseuse, who used to work for a, a billionaire who had a whole staff of people constantly traveling with him. You know, watch <laughs> my sweetheart was watching the Kardashians last night. It was briefly popped in, and Kim, Kim has a, and all of them do, but Kim has a whole, whole mess of people following her. Around. Friends, assistants, business-type people, lawyers, all... Her image and her brand and her selling whatever the hell they sell. I can't even know. I don't even know. I think it's makeup or something. Or clothes. Um, That's how, like... Their image... And people wanting to be like them... Is how they sell shit. So that... Uh, brand, as it were, I guess is the best way to say it. That brand has to stay alive, and to do that, you have to feed the ego of the person who's the brand. Does that make sense? Um, here's here, here. Let me look. Let's say it like this. Let's just keep with Kim Kardashian, right? And I have nothing against her at all. uh this does not have anything to do with my opinion of her as a person. Um, but as a brand, if she breaks down and has like a mental breakdown or something, then all of those people's businesses stop. All their money stops. Like they, they might get laid off, right? This is a problem with building your own brand that's about you and being an influencer is that you have to be constantly on. This is one of the problems celebrities have to deal with. Especially in this day and age with social media and cameras in our pocket. Like, if, they, if they're if they having a bad day and they snap on the waiter and it's caught on tape, they might lose out on their next deal because the public doesn't like them anymore. Heaven, you know, heaven forbid we treat them as humans that have bad days, right? Um, because we think, oh, they're rich and famous, so they should be happy. And they should be enlightened, and they should be unconditionally happy because they're rich and famous. No, that's not what... Bring. Happiness is an internal state of being. You can't get there through outer world things. That's backwards. It's exactly, exactly what I teach. Inner wealth brings outer wealth. Right? Anyway. So, where was I? Oh, yes. You're surrounded by people that constantly keep your ego going so that you keep going. So that their paycheck keeps coming in and their livelihood is intact. Every one of us has had a boss of some sort. Even if you just only had your parents. Every one of us has a boss of some sort. And what we naturally do is the same thing we naturally do with our parents, which is just blindly agree with them. So they stay feeling good so their paychecks keep coming in. Because if your boss doesn't like you, you're more likely to get fired or laid off when the layoffs come. Right? So it, to protect your own livelihood because you're so afraid of not having money. Because money is your god. Oh my god, what happens if I, don't run out of, if I run out of money? And to be fair, like I've been broken so many times by that same belief system, even recently. It's a long story. But anyway... I get it, is what I'm saying. And I I understand the difficulty of this game. To believe that you are your money. Or that you're going to die and all these weird things pop into your imagination if you run out of money, which has never happened. And so... Because there's always enough. Otherwise the game would stop. So... You're surrounded by these people... Who, to protect their own livelihood, are telling you what you want to hear, whether you're rich or famous or both. So, what that means is you're not getting an accurate reflection of yourself, which goes back to the emperor who wore, you know, emperor with no clothes. You're not getting an accurate reflection of who you are because. Or the emperor's new clothes. Because no one is giving you honest, authentic, constructive feedback. Because if they did, they're worried that you might take it wrong, get upset, and fire them. That is why it's very difficult for a rich man or a famous person to become enlightened. Because of the people you surround yourself with. think about it like this the ego is like a child who has never been told no when it, when it's in full control when it's in full control and you, you slip into narcissism right uh this actually i heard this about johnny depp don't know if it's true never met the man never talked to him don't have an opinion of him but what i heard was that He's never been told no for 30 years. And that's why he is running into a lot of problems right now. Financially and otherwise. When you're never told no, you become what we deem as spoiled. Well, why would that be? Because as parents, we want to give... We never want to tell our children no. You know, there's a a rumor, again, don't know if it's true, and it's all unconditional love. So... There's, no, there's nothing wrong here. But um, from what I understand, um, Will and Jada Smith's kids are spoiled this way because they, they didn't ever want to tell them no. And of course, they had all the money and influence to be able to never tell them no. But why is that? Why is never telling a child no um, a bad thing? Because all of us as parents wants to be able to, to give them everything. It's because that's not what we came here for. We already have that on the other side. There's no reason to come here if to just be told, this is the place to be told no. This is the only place you can be told no. Technically, you're not told no, but let me take a step back on the other side where we come from home where we're in unconditional love joy bliss acceptance and ease all the time right home we are always told yes and can instantly manifest anything because we're God or if it helps you we're a pantheon of equal gods Uh. excuse me but we came to explore contrast this place is what we created to explore contrast. Beings of, un- of light coming into the darkness to further know themselves. Beings of unconditional love coming into conditional love to further understand who they are. Which is why this is the game of self-discovery, right? But this is the only place you can experience what it's like to be told no by your God, by, 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 the, by creation, by unconditional love, by your parents if you want. This is the only place to experience. No. That's the whole fucking point. So, because that is the whole point... Okay, let me take another step back. The reason we created physical reality... Was because one of our brothers or sisters... Or family members, whatever you want to say... In the pantheon of gods... Asked... Source, unconditional love, the infinite, all that is, asks it, I want to know what it's like to be told no. And of course, because the infinite intelligence can never say no, it got caught in a conundrum, a double bind. I can't say no to your request to be told no, because that goes against everything. That goes against the basic nature of expansion. So I can't say no to you being told no. And I can't say yes to you being told no without it also causing problems. So how do I say yes to your request to be told no without going against the basic nature of reality, which is to always say yes. Or I shouldn't say reality. The basic nature of the source, of of the universe, of all that is. The, so, then the idea was to create a virtual reality game called physical reality, where you could experience what it was like to be told no without actually being told no. And the way we do that is this thing called time. So, then we put a time delay in instant manifestation or asking a question and getting an answer. We put a time delay in between the ask and the receiving. So that in the time gap between saying, I want to manifest this thing, I have an inspiration, I want to experience what this is like, and Source is like, okay, yes, I'm going to give you that, but we're going to put in a time gap, and I'm not going to tell you I'm saying yes, but I'm going to put in a time gap So when you are in the gap between asking and receiving, you think based on what's going on in your imagination that you're being told no. That's the game we're playing. Because we're never told no, this is a place of contrast. So to experience no, it has to be imagined. It would have to be imagined in the time delay so that you can fully experience what it's like that is why children become spoiled because if they're never told no they never experience contrast and therefore they're not evolving to know who they are there is no catalyst no contrast no conflict no confusion. No being lost to find yourself. You're just given everything. So you don't need to do anything. There's no drive. There's no hunger. Now, yes, of course, you can still get messages and meditate and connect to your heart and all of that. But why? If they don't need to. If they can just have everything given to them. That's why people become quote unquote spoiled because you must experience no and able to be able to understand yourself that is the reason we came here so even though you never want to tell your kids no you always want to say yes how do you split the difference Well, you do what Source does. You don't tell them no. You tell them wait. Wait. Be patient. Mommy, I want to go to Disneyland. Okay, we'll go. Someday in the future. Be patient. But I want to go now. Wait. I'm not saying no. I'm saying yes, but I'm saying wait. Good morning. And that in the waiting, you get to experience, well, is it going to happen? I don't know. And all the stress. And all the why isn't happening now? And Am I good enough? Does she not love me? Blah, 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 blah. All of that beautiful flora and fauna that is contrast. Catalyst. Is that a word? Catalyst? Catalyst. Anyway, it, 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 it's, it's like an acid and a base mixed together, right? Just all of this thought, all this imagination, all this perception, dark and light combining to make form. That's what you came here for. That's the game. You get plunged into darkness To go back into the light. But if you just got plunged into the light, you would just not, nothing would happen. Let me tell you a story. A story that came from me uncovering the Akashic Records, which is just (laughs) the memory of all things. But um, little known story, I'm going to write about it one day. In the beginning, there was unconditional love. It was always there. Um, There was no beginning to God. Unconditional love was always there. But there was a beginning to the awareness of itself. So it was always there. It never had a start. But it did have a first memory. The moment of awakening to where it realized, Oh, I'm unconditional love. And then immediately goes, Oh, I'm aware. That was the genesis of things. And from there, it noticed it was in darkness and said, Let there be light. That is all true. But (laughs) that's where the story stops. Let me give you a little bit more because it just keeps going, always. Then it was completely immersed in light, and there was nothing but light. So instead of pitch blackness, it was pitch whiteness, if that makes sense. And then God was like, or the first, or whatever you want to say. And then God was like, oh. Not that it was a mistake, but it didn't know that's what was going to happen. So being in complete light and, you know, pure white is the same as being in pure black. And then it was like, oh, I need both to create form. Right? You need both light and dark, the yin and the yang, to create form, to create something. And you see this in the night sky. If it was just black, if it was just a vacuum of space, you wouldn't have any, we wouldn't have any clue where we were in relation to everything else. So it needed In this case, and what I'm saying. In stars. To understand your place in the universe. To get your bearings. So, why is this all important? Because you need constructive feedback. You need a reason to go looking for who you really are. And it's very difficult... Especially if you're born into riches, there's no reason to go looking unless you know you're just unhappy or whatever and you're trying to find you know if you ha- i mean there's, there's I'm sure there's people who are born into riches who go looking, but still usually what you find is people who are born into riches or fame or get it young is there's no It's, it's an ennui. It's a an unfulfilling blah kind of life. Nothing gets them excited. Unless they're creating, you know, like I can't say everyone. I'm not painting with a broad stroke here. Everybody's different. But most of the time, that's what I see. It's a, it's a more of an ennui, like a melancholy, like, eh, I can have anything, so what's the point? I can get anybody, Right? I can just make everybody like me and talk my way out of an abuse settlement or whatever it is. Like, there's no challenge. There's no resistance. There's no opponent. Your opponent's already won. There's no reason to go looking for who you really are. By contrast, I was born into extreme poverty. Extreme poverty. I mean... It's not like we were homeless or whatever, but it was definitely poverty. No question about that. And from there, it drove me to understand money. What is going on with this thing called money? Why can my mom not make any of it? How do I make it? How come my grandparents who are loving and smart and... Uh, 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 capable, and so is my mom, they can't make money. But my dad, who's a fucking sociopath, he can make plenty? What the fuck is going on here? Why would God give money to the asshole but the sweet and unconditionally loving are broke? What the fuck is happening? Those questions drove me to come all the way to here I am today. Do you understand why contrast is so important? And that is why famous and rich people have such a hard time because they don't have any contrast. They don't have any constructive criticism. They're just told how amazing they are the whole time. Anybody who tells them differently hurts their little ego and they you know, go, <laughs> you don't like me. What the fuck? The ego never wants to be wrong. A narcissist thinks they're always right. When you are surrounded by yes people, it's hard to argue that you're not always right. Because they're telling you you're always right. And they're acting as if you're always right. Because they care more about what you can do for them and your money. And that's the drawback of being rich and famous without being enlightened first. Is if you you can never tell if people are sincere or not. Or if they're just after something. From you. So what all that boils down to is, if you're listening to this and you're already rich and famous, you better get a shark in your tank. You better find someone like me who will tell you like it is, in a gentle and loving manner, and you better figure out how to get toward knowing who you really are on the other side and find a why to do that. And if you're not rich and famous, count yourself lucky. Because it's much better to know who you really are way before money and fame come. Not that you want to restrict money and fame from coming in any way. If it comes early before you're enlightened, that's okay. But just don't stop because of it. Don't use it as an excuse to be like, oh, I'm done because money and fame happen, so I don't need to keep going. That's dangerous. Never stop evolving. How do you win the game? It's not what's... I didn't start this by saying you win the game by being rich and successful and and being famous. Fuck no. Again, it's not hard to find depressed famous people or depressed billionaires. So that is not how you win the game. How you win the game of life. Know who you really are. 100% with zero doubt of who your spiritual self is in the pantheon of gods. A.K.A. Enlightenment. And the second thing is to be unconditionally happy at all times. You ever see those people? I watched this documentary once on happiness. Oh, it must have been a decade ago. And they, they asked the right questions, so they just didn't come to the right conclusions. Or, right is, is subjective, but they didn't come to the same conclusions as I did, I should say. Which is this. They were interviewing all these people to find out happiness. And they were talking to this guy who lived on a shack. It was in a different country. Lived in a, I don't remember, it was like Indonesia or something. He lived in a, what we would consider a shack. Like, no bigger than a, a, a large tool shed. Him and his family, a son and his wife. And all he did was surf all day. He was a surf instructor. But he loved his life. He made enough money to eat. He did what he loved all day long. He was in nature. He was in love with life. Completely unconditionally happy. Now you could say, yeah, okay, what if the shack burnt down or... You know, whatever. But what it was pointing to was you don't need money to be unconditionally happy. But why do we think money's going to bring us happiness or manifestation the ability to manifest or fame oh when everybody loves me then i'll love myself do you see how fucking backwards that is when you love yourself and you don't give a shit about what anybody else thinks about you that's when they like you when you care about what they think you're a slave to their opinion this is exactly why politicians can't be leaders a leader is someone who always follows their heart no matter what i am a leader because I will never stop following my heart, no matter what. You can get either get a the train with me or not. I don't care. But that's why I can't be a politician, because I would have to give a shit about what people think about me. That's never going to happen. Point being, how do you? Become enlightened by giving a fuck about what other people think. How do you become enlightened? Paradoxically, how do you become enlightened without people telling you the truth and constructive criticism, constructive feedback, and a reason to become enlightened? I hope something I have said has helped you here today. I... No matter what you think of me, I am eternally grateful that you've spent the time listening to what I had to say. We are different birds in the same sky. There's so many birds right now everywhere. Different crickets in the same night, All right? Different stars in the same universe. My unconditional love to you. Be well, be gentle with yourself. Good journey, my friends.